From a studio high above the clouds of the Okanagan Valley, this is the Cannabis Podcast. Exploring the world of Canadian cannabis culture, one toke at a time. Now, here's your host and bud tender, Gary Johnston. And let me be the last to say Happy New Year. <laughs> All of that's behind us now. Welcome back to the Cannabis Podcast for a brand new year, the first episode of 2020. I almost said 2019, but I caught myself, <laughs> and I appreciate that. Thanks for coming by. If this is your first time, I'm glad you decided to pop by and have a listen. Hopefully, you'll come back every episode to hear more information about Canadian cannabis culture, or more specifically, my Canadian cannabis culture, and we do that one token at a time. In episode 36, what have we got coming up for you? Well, we did have a chance over Christmas to sit down with my son, Ian. He and his wife, Christine, were here for Christmas. He, of course, the composer of the Cultivar Corner jingle, so we have a rather unusual version of Cultivar Corner for you this week with my son, Ian, and myself. We're also going to use our resources of leafly.ca, as we have so much over the course of our existence here on the podcast. Great articles there. And this time we are going to look back at 2019 to see if there are some lessons we could have learned, and specifically looking at what has happened in each of the provinces over the last year. And the other thing I want to do is reference a story that I found on highexistence.com, and I'm really happy that they put it out, because... For those of you who do not know, Carl Sagan was a famous scientist. He was the guy who wrote the book Cosmos, did lots of instruction and education on the billions and billions of stars in our universe. <laughs> the highexistence.com published an essay that Carl Sagan wrote some years ago, and he was a proponent of cannabis, although he wrote the essay as Mr. X, just simply for personal reasons, because of course, back then it was not cool to say that you smoke cannabis. A really interesting essay. I'm probably not going to read it all, but I am going to read a good chunk of it for you today. And that and more is coming your way on episode 36 of the Cannabis Podcast. My motivation today, some sativa I found in the cupboard. <laughs> sativa from last year's crop, actually. This was uh, put up in December of 2018. I'm pretty pleased with how fresh it still actually is, and even more pleased with how strong it actually is. So the first story that I want to talk about today is once again coming from our friends at Leafly.ca. They have done a terrific review of 2019 in terms of cannabis and how it relates to each of the provinces in our country. As you know, it has been a full year of legal cannabis in the country, and as we close out 2019... It's time to look back at how Canada regulated its own backyard. Though legalization may still be a work in progress, we have seen character-defining moments from each province. Whether defying stereotypes or upsetting long-standing reputations, we've assigned superlatives to each province based on how they handled year one of cannabis legalization. Consider it your yearbook snapshot of Canadian cannabis in 2019. Are some provinces fading at math? Didn't we all? They can still turn that mediocre grade into something impressive over the next year, right? Ah, faith is adorable. <laughs> I love the tone in this particular article. Most changed? And I am sad to say, British Columbia. In a province renowned for its vibrant cannabis culture and cultivation, buds in B.C. seemed poised to take their underground reputation legit. The province's history of relaxed enforcement was hard to see this year, though as British Columbia devolved into a rather strict and, at times, 
comedic industry regulator. Slow from the retail perspective. Ridiculous in terms of the enforcement perspective. Biggest overachiever? Alberta. Ideally a solution to Alberta's collapsing oil industry, cannabis in the province flourished thanks to an open market strategy. Out of nowhere, the province with around 1,500 operating liquor stores and not a reputation for cannabis has taken the country by stampede, boasting 372 cannabis licenses issued as of this writing. The biggest procrastinator? Saskatchewan. In a province with an agricultural reputation and a strong history of orange politics, Saskatchewan is having trouble with retail execution and market diversity. Their store rollouts have been poor, and independent retailers are contending with big corporations seeking out the most market share. Most rebellious? Manitoba. Winnipeg is in fact the slurpy capital of the world, but their conservative government is doing all it can to prevent the province from adding cannabis champion to their list of fun accomplishments. The province's current ban on home growing became a campaign issue in the September election. And in December, the provincial government made it illegal to carry cannabis outside of an excise-stamped container. Bizarre. Totally bizarre. Class clown? Ontario. Ontario has proven both flexible and problem-plagued in the first year of legalization, with the provincial government struggling to license and profit in the largest cannabis market in the country. Officials are somehow surprised by the province's still-thriving illicit market. But with one store for approximately half a million people, your resident third-grader might immediately suggest opening some more stores, probably. In good news, this December saw the government's decision to finally drop the controversial lottery system that currently squeezes consumers into just 25 operating stores province-wide. Least fun? Quebec. The province, home to the country's lowest minimum age for alcohol consumption, as well as prevalent video gambling and an abundance of strip clubs, should have no business establishing itself as the vice police. But an aggressive CAQ government campaigned and won with its hardline approach to cannabis regulation. Though high school graduates might be skipping town to Quebec in order to enjoy a lower drinking age, early university students in La Belle province, who have been drinking for as long as two years, might be crossing provincial lines to do the same with cannabis. Quebec is raising the age of cannabis consumption to 21 in 2020. Most enthusiastic but least prepared, New Brunswick. It was looking good for New Brunswick on the first day of legalization when Cannabis NB expressed confidence that all 20 of their promised retail stores would be open and ready for the public. In its first six months alone, the corporation had lost around $12 million dollars after Cannabis NB blamed their $2 million first quarter loss on the illicit market. Now the province is thoroughly considering selling all of their legal stores to one private buyer, and funny enough, a familiar Quebec brand is trying to step up to the podium. Most likely to miss that podium? Nova Scotia. Prior to legalization, Nova Scotia residents consumed some of the most cannabis per capita in the country. And a StatsCan report on wastewater backed up that claim in August 2019. The Nova Scotia Liquor Corporation, however, reported a net income drop of $1.2 million for its first fiscal year ending March 31, 2019. Most likely to marry for the money? Newfoundland and Labrador. Is the buys that builds the boats, Newfoundland's the one that sells her. Increasing corporate interest is ruffling the feathers of sole proprietors in this coastal region. 
Lately, officials are doing what they can to balance entrepreneurial and corporate spirits. But the province's left hand introduced higher commissions for independent retailers, while its right signed seven separate contracts with cannabis multinationals. Most chill? Prince Edward Island. PEI started with four legal stores run by Crown Corporation PEI Cannabis Management. Since then, it's been relatively quiet on this eastern front. Most cautiously optimistic, Yukon. Yukon began with a single cannabis store run by the province, giving it a shelf life of one year until private retail could expand in the territory. Their plan worked, and the temporary cannabis Yukon closed exactly one year after opening, while two private stores sprang up to absorb consumers in Whitehorse and Dawson City, respectively. Most likely to do a victory lap, Northwest Territories. Midway into legalization, the cost per gram of cannabis in the territory was higher than average, something the government attributed to high-potency product. At the end of August 2019, the Northwest Territories announced they had fallen short of revenue goals by a whopping 80% for the 2018-19 fiscal year. Most room to grow? None of it. To start, the None of It government didn't intend to sell cannabis in physical stores at all. Though online sales were permitted through the None of It Liquor and Cannabis Commission and their agents, namely Tweed and Vertical. Sales struggled in the territory, letting the government to lower its markup per gram from $4 to $1 on dried flour. Although the territory allowed for both public and private stores, by the end of year one, neither have materialized. And thanks once again to the folks at Leafly for preparing this look back at 2019. And the article's writer is Soj Ramsey-Taylor. Thank you very much for your efforts and keeping us informed. It's been an interesting year, 2019, from a cannabis perspective. It can only get better for all of us in 2020. All right, this is going to be a rather unique version of Cultivar Corner because it's not often that I have sitting across from me in the studio the composer of the jingle to let us in here. Ian, my son, welcome. Hello, thank you. It is so fabulous. Uh, we've had both Ian and his wife, Christine, home for Christmas, along with our other son, our daughter-in-law, Rochelle, our other son, Sean. <laughs> I better mention oh, yeah. his name Sean's or I'll be in son. trouble. <laughs> Rochelle and, of course, our granddaughter, Fiona, we're all here for Christmas. So, yeah, I, I thought, take advantage of the opportunity. For anybody who has listened to the podcast, you know that Ian was one of the people who helped me initially get it started, figuring out how to put it together technically and how to get it published and all that. So I'm still thankful for those assistances. And of course, you've heard the jingles as they have developed over the years. And uh, I, as you know, I love playing the Cultivar Corner one. Yeah. So. And in fact, the and and you also know that I have spoken on the podcast many times how you should not be afraid to give cannabis as a gift. Very mm -hmm. pleased to tell you that my son Ian heard that <laughs> and followed that. And in fact, Certainly. Cultivar Corner is flour, which is a local product from Kelowna here, actually, local grower, and it is BC Diesel. This was my Christmas present from my son Ian. Mm -hmm. And I have been very, very impressed with it. Yeah, it's nice. Plus, I got some other things. We we sat down to to play a game that Ian and this is a, a card game is called Deluxe Weed, where you get to unleash your inner hippie again. 
with seven new characters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, we did it's, give it a good try. We tried. <laughs> it's, it's, it needs some work. I think the assessment, the final assessment on the game was, it clearly was developed by some people who were sitting around smoking some dope. Yeah. That's <laughs> and they thought, something. this will be a great idea. And what we think was missing in the process was somebody who was there to say, okay, you might have gone too far yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> because there are characters like Wendy Weedwhacker and uh, Bug Spray and Potzilla. Fun game anyways. Give it a try. Yeah, not bad. Deluxe Weed is the game. Yeah, and then don't. I got an, another book. It was It's as if there's there's a theme developing here. And this was a, a book, and I'm really looking forward to reading this one. This is the inside story of the BC pot boom. It's called West Coast Smoke by author Drew Edwards from Nelson. And a lot of the story is about Nelson, which is also a place where I'm from and have a fair amount of history. In yeah. it. So good cool. job on the Christmas gifts. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad it's I'm glad it worked out. Yeah. yeah. So how you been? I've been great. Yeah, yeah, it's nice to be here for a few days. Nice to get out of Vancouver and yeah, take some always time is, off. Isn't it? We've been real busy. Yeah, nice. Yeah, it's cool to see the studio too. It looks yeah. really great in here. Cool. Well, yeah. well, it's nice to have you here instead of having you on on the remote. Last mm. time we did this, yeah, you, yeah, were, yeah. you were still in Vancouver. That's right. So it's cool. Yeah, we can do great. it either way. Yeah. yeah. So welcome. Thanks for dropping by. Thanks for having so me. let me get your assessment assessment of uh, cannabis legalization after a year. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, I can't complain. Um, yeah. but yeah, like I think, as I said before on the show, like we in that gray area, right before legalization yeah. in Vancouver, it was, it was madness. There's shops everywhere, every block. Absolutely. Um, and hot deals left and right. Um, and then, and then there was that one week where legalization was coming and everyone yeah. did went crazy with sales and it was, it was something we'll never see again. It was madness. It was, yeah. it was, yeah, it's just so cheap. Um, and then, yeah, so now, now it's legal and. <laughs> there's yeah there's one legal store near near me downtown vancouver okay it's like an apple store it's, oh, okay it's yeah. really flashy it's and, very high-end classy display kind of thing yeah it's very it feels like a yeah it feels like a upper like a fancy clothing store or yeah. something yeah as um, many of them do and yeah i mean you can buy a doobie there for 18 bucks they have an 18 dollar <laughs> doobie it's, it's 0.5 grams <laughs> yeah, so it's. Did it's, you say point five? Of yeah, a gram it's not even the big. It's not even the big one. Not even a gram. It's just a regular size doobie. <laughs> so is this bucks. like diamond encrusted? I or? guess it must be very special <laughs> ganja, but I don't know. Wow. Um, so yeah, I don't. I, I still end up going to. There's still um, non-legit stores like Dana Dana Larson, right? Dana, okay, yeah. Dana Larson yeah, has yeah, a absolutely. store. Yeah, he he was on the podcast. And I had yeah, him as a guest once. He has a store near my house that's been open for ten years. I think it's called the Dispensary. Yeah. Yeah, um, and, and he got busted just a little while ago, yeah, didn't he? They, the the yeah, they provincial cannabis one. protection plan or something. Yeah, whatever the, the new police team, force is, enforcement team. And yeah. they came on October thirtieth, and they stole all their products. But he's back open again. I hear two yeah, hours they were after that, the same day. But they just didn't have any weed. So he's still going. So you, prices are are still pretty good. There. Yeah. So they have five dollar grams and eight dollar grams and ten and sometimes eleven dollar grams and. <laughs> Which is better than an eighteen dollar joint? Yeah, certainly. <laughs> and they have they have just so much selection, and everybody really knows what they're talking about. Yeah, it's super yeah. busy. It's always busy. Yeah, um, not surprising. So yeah, I've I've got from there pretty often, and then I've used the BC government mail order once yeah. or twice. <clears throat> it's it's novel. It's cool that it exists. Yeah, it gives you that access. And <clears throat> as we talked about the last episode, they have when it first came available on the nineteenth of December, there was four of the new edibles 
that were available on the BC Cannabis site. Oh, right. There's edibles now. Yeah. So that's going to be changing over the next little while. Yeah, it's cool. But um, I mean, I haven't really, I'm, I'm basically still buying pot like illegally for the yeah. most part because um, the legal stuff is, it's just really expensive. It is. It's it, not really it, available it, to me. It's still so there. <laughs> you're, you're so true. Which was one of the things that I thought was cool when I woke up on Christmas Day. That's when we're recording this. Christmas Day, 2019. And I was thrilled to see on one of our local news sources a better year forecast for pot. Mm. And uh, I mean, obviously, you know, I have been talking about this a few times and I've expressed my opinion that one of the things I think is the problem with our legalization is no politician yet has stepped up to say, I smoke cannabis. I, I enjoy it. I, right. I I don't think we should be so scared about mm. it. And, and that hasn't necessarily happened yet. <laughs> But let me just read you the first part of this story, then we can chat a little about it. So Premier John Horgan has said, it's the best of times for cannabis users in British Columbia, but they could be even better. Since recreational cannabis became legal in Canada in October 2018, access to marijuana has become a matter of waiting for the mail to arrive, how true that is, or visiting a licensed dispensary, but something's still missing, says the Premier. The first part I like to say is, I'm glad he finally noticed. <laughs> Right. Because yeah. it is so true. So the next paragraph, Horgan says he wants British Columbia to take better advantage of the province's worldwide reputation as a producer of top-notch, award-winning weed known as, of course, BC Bud. Mm. You've yeah, heard me say, say that. For a while. Isn't that isn't that cool that, that, yeah. that finally they're doing something yeah, about it? It seems like he heard you. And maybe maybe he did. Hey, John. Are you listening, John? If you are, welcome. I'm I'm glad you came along for the ride. Yeah, no, it's it's cool. It seems like a step in the right direction. Well, it does because in essence, and, and I guess they just recently, what was it, about a month or so ago, the government gave $675,000 to help cannabis operators in the Kootenays, speaking of Nelson, overcome the barriers to operating in the legal economy. Okay. And I mean, that has been, I think, one of the biggest complaints about legalization from those in BC who were in it before, they were kicked right out of the market. Right. This is a real good sign that, that maybe that's going to change. Right. Yeah. Has there been any talk about cooperatives down down in your area? Have you heard any of that? Uh, I'm not really sure what that means. So cooperative growing situation where a number of people will come together and, and form a little uh, grow and, and do it cooperatively. That's mm. kind of what part of this story oh, okay. is about. Yeah, I don't really know anybody in those, in those circles. I know no. a couple of people who work for like processing uh, factories. Oh, okay. I know a lady at my work who makes like yeah products she yeah. Like, just processes weed i don't think it's okay legit though okay cool um, no i'm not sure um i really don't know i don't know anybody who grows well it's changing anyways it's nice to mm -hmm. see that our provincial government is finally paying some attention to, yeah <laughs> to the landscape and, and realizing that some change has to come to bear because yeah there's just i mean to your point in yeah it is legalized so we know that but you know, there's still so much stigma that's out there, and we well, see yeah, it all the time. Well, yeah, and also it just still confuses me that that if it's been legalized, that there's still a pot that's illegal. It doesn't really make sense. That, that's true. Uh, <laughs> um, it's legal, yet there's places where I can buy it where it's not legal. So it it doesn't doesn't feel uh, legal. It feels a little mm. iffy. And no, times. that's a good way to describe it because I mean, it, it, cannabis is cannabis, and and whether it, it's wherever you buy it, mm -hmm. is that is that the deciding factor mm -hmm. of whether it's legal or not? Can you buy it from the government? It is. If and and you know, that's kind of kind of goofy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, so and yet I can grow it. I can give you some. That's right. just as legal as stuff that's that's bought in the mm -hmm. in the government mm -hmm. market. So, 
yeah, there's still so many gray areas yeah. around that. Mm, yeah. yeah. So how are people in your, the people that you are around all the time, what's their opinion of, of how things are? Everyone, I think everyone pretty much feels the same as me. I feel like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of like music, musician type yeah. people. And so a lot of people that smoke weed, but most people were already a little mistrusting of the government. So I don't think anyone, <laughs> That's true. Um, like jumping in, like, I mean, yeah. I know some people who have ordered it, but most people I know just still get it from whatever shop is closer to them. Yeah. Um, there's not really a stigma with my friends. Like most people I know smoke weed and yeah. it's not really a problem. Um, and and with your friends, as opposed to probably some in the smaller communities, like the Okanagan, for example, as you say, most of them are getting their sourcing from the illegal stores rather than their old dealer who used to drop stuff off in their back door kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Like the guy I know who used to sell weed, he's he's stopped doing that. Yeah, there's but, no market there for him anymore. Yeah, but but that actually happened not when it got legalized. It happened when there was all the illegal shops because oh. they were just so great and convenient. <laughs> sure, and so much selection. So he got got priced out of the market, kind mm -hmm. of. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's interesting. It's it's. I mean, it's something. But but really, like I was, I was fine how it was before anything was legalized. Nothing's really changed for me. Um, yeah, true I enough. Feel, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky I live in, in Vancouver and cops aren't really super concerned about someone yeah. smoking a joint or something. So I wasn't really that cautious before and nothing has really changed. So Although I'm, I mean, I'm going to fly later today with some ganja on me. And so that's kind of yeah, feels funny. Yeah, for your first time. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. You, you mentioned that. I gave him some of the stuff that we grew last year. Think, well, come on, son's home for Christmas. Got to send him off some of your products, oh, that's right? Cool, yeah. That's... So, yeah, and then as I say, you can fly up with up to thirty grams in mm -hmm. Canada, mm -hmm. as long as uh, you don't get diverted to the states. Well, that's the thing. Yeah, <laughs> um, I read Air Canada says that if that happens, you're responsible for getting yourself out of there. Basically, like you. Well, and it happened uh, about, about two weeks ago. There was a flight that got diverted into the states. They yeah. had no intention in, and, and what they told everybody was to flush your stuff stuff down the toilet. Oh, so, so they had this big line of people dumping their product down the toilet before I mean, they went through custom. Isn't that isn't that <laughs> criminal just to instruct someone to to avoid the law by? Well, could very well yeah, be. That seems, could that very seems, well be, but of course, you know, they're in a similar situation. They right. don't want to get hung up by all these people right. not being busted oh, for that's crazy. crossing the border. Yeah, that's crazy talk. <laughs> mm. Yeah, pretty crazy talk. Well, anything else you'd like to, to relate in, in terms of uh, what's happening in your world these days? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's like I say, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's interesting to see it happen, but nothing's really changed that much for me. Um, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, it's it's in a sense. Yeah, that the, um, the, there was nothing that dramatic. That's no, because because I know some people had problems with access. Well, as we've talked about many times, here in the Okanagan, the access has been the biggest problem. Right. Unlike you down there, there hasn't been a whole bunch of. Well, I mean, you can still go onto an indigenous land and find a bunch of stores, but you got to travel a fair distance to mm -hmm. do that. I've also heard a lot of people talking about uh, these. The abbreviation is mums, a mail order marijuana. Oh, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Like, the plethora of those out yeah. there. Yeah. And they're, again, they're like hot deals. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I've, I've been solicited by a few of those. I, I still oh, I get bet. a couple of emails from, from, from people on that. Well, and, the listeners to this show are like their ideal. Absolutely. Ideal customers. Yeah. Totally the ideal I'm customer. Sure they do want to advertise. <laughs> In fact, there was one that approached me. I can't remember the name of it and I probably wouldn't say it anyways. Um, but they had been talking to me for a number of weeks 
about mm-hmm. being a sponsor to the show. And then I actually looked at the legislation and realized that oh, I could yeah. talk about them all I want. But as soon as any money exchanges hands or any right. product exchanges hands, that crosses the boundary of the legislation. Uh, so that's why I haven't pursued any of that. But there you go. We'll see. It's a it's a changing environment. Well, I'm so glad that, dude, two things. I'm so glad you came by for Christmas just yeah, personally and, and to have you at home. It's been a blast. And secondly, thanks again for all your help in, in putting the podcast together with all the music and oh, stuff yeah, that you've done my, for me. My pleasure. And the intros and extros. People are always asking me, Who's the, who is that that does the intro? And so I explained. So cool. yeah. thanks very much, Ian. I, I appreciate it. And uh, hopefully you'll have yourself a good flight back home and you and Christine can have your own Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Dad. Yeah. Excellent. Thanks for having me on the show. You bet. Take care. From the Cannabis Infused Studio in the Clouds, this is the Cannabis Podcast. And we finished today with an article from HighExistence.com, and I really appreciate them putting this together. This is about Carl Sagan. Most of us remember Carl Sagan as a brilliant scientist, and if you don't remember Carl Sagan, look him up, Google him, you'll figure it out. He was a popularizer of both the methods and progress of human knowledge. Some know him as an advocate of space exploration and peace on Earth. Some will even recognize his brilliant work in the science fiction community, as a writer himself, and as a commentator on sci-fi authors such as Arthur C. Clarke. Few, however, know that he wrote an absolutely thrilling and insightful essay on the merits of the psychoactive properties of the cannabis plant. Writing under the pseudonym Mr. X, due to the political sensitivity of coming out as a smoker, Carl starts out by going into the well-known sensory enhancements bestowed by cannabis, most notably those which occur during sex, while listening to music and while savoring art. While these qualities are important and valuable in themselves, the true magic of an altered state of consciousness lies in its paradigm-shifting potential, as Sagan eloquently explains. And it is my pleasure to read this essay for you now. And again, I will read a good portion of it, but there may still be portions you need to fill in for yourself. Dr. Sagan's Profound Mr. X Essay It all began about ten years ago. I had reached a considerably more relaxed period in my life, a time when I had come to feel that there was more to living than science, a time of awakening of my social consciousness and amiability, a time when I was open to new experiences. I'd become friendly with a group of people who occasionally smoked cannabis, irregularly but with evident pleasure. Initially I was unwilling to partake, but the apparent euphoria that cannabis produced and the fact that there was no physiological addiction to the plant eventually persuaded me to try. My initial experiences were entirely disappointing. There was no effect at all, and I began to entertain a variety of hypotheses about cannabis being a placebo, which worked by expectation and hyperventilation rather than by chemistry. After about five or six unsuccessful attempts, however, it happened. I was lying on my back in a friend's living room, idly examining the pattern of shadows on the ceiling cast by a potted plant, not cannabis. I suddenly realized that I was examining an intricately detailed miniature Volkswagen, distinctly outlined by the shadows. I was very skeptical of this perception and tried to find inconsistencies between Volkswagens and what I viewed on the ceiling. But it was all there, down to hubcaps, license plate, chrome, even the small handle used for opening the trunk. When I closed my eyes, I was stunned to find that there was a movie going on the inside of my eyeballs. Flash! A simple country scene with red farmhouse, a blue sky, white clouds, yellow path meandering over green hills to the horizon. Flash! 
Same scene. Orange house, brown sky, red clouds, yellow path, violet fields. Flash, flash, flash. The flashes came about once a heartbeat. Each flash brought the same simple scene into view, but each time with a different set of colors. Exquisitely deep hues and astonishingly harmonious in their juxtaposition. Since then I have smoked occasionally and enjoyed it thoroughly. It amplifies torbid sensibilities and produces what to me are even more interesting effects, as I will explain shortly. I can remember another early visual experience with cannabis, in which I viewed a candle flame and discovered in the heart of the flame, standing with magnificent indifference, the black-hatted and cloaked Spanish gentleman who appears on the label of the sandam and sherry bottle. Looking at fires when high, by the way, especially through one of those prism kaleidoscopes which image their surroundings, is an extraordinarily moving and beautiful experience. I want to explain that at no time did I think these things really were out there. I knew there was no Volkswagen on the ceiling, and there was no Sandeman Salamander man in the flame. I don't feel any contradiction in these experiences. There's a part of me making, creating the perceptions which in everyday life would be bizarre. There's another part of me which is kind of observer. About half of the pleasure comes from the observer part, appreciating the work of the creator part. I smile, or sometimes even laugh out loud at the pictures on the insides of my eyelids. In this sense, I suppose cannabis is psychotomimetic, but I find none of the panic or terror that accompanies some psychoses. Possibly this is because I know it's my own trip, and that I can come down rapidly any time I want to. While my early perceptions were all visual, and curiously lacking in images of human beings, both of these items have changed over the intervening years. I find that today a single joint is enough to get me high. I test whether I'm high by closing my eyes and looking for the flashes. They come long before there are any alterations in my visual or other perceptions. I would guess this is a signal-to-noise problem, the visual noise level being very low with my eyes closed. Another interesting information-theoretical aspect is the prevalence at least in my flashed images, of cartoons. Just the outlines of figures, caricatures, not photographs. I think this is simply a matter of information compression. It would be impossible to grasp the total content of an image with the information content of an ordinary photograph, say 108 bits, in the fraction of a second which a flash occupies. And the flash experience is designed, if I may use that word, for instant appreciation. The artist and viewer are one. This is not to say that the images are not marvelously detailed and complex. I recently had an image in which two people were talking, and the words they were saying would form and disappear in yellow above their heads at about a sentence per heartbeat. In this way, it was possible to follow the conversation. At the same time, an occasional word would appear in red letters among the yellows above their heads, perfectly in context with the conversation. But if one remembered these red words, they would enunciate a quite different set of statements penetratingly critical of the conversation. The entire image set which I've outlined here, which I would say at least a hundred yellow words and something like ten red words, occurred in something under a minute. The cannabis experience has greatly improved my appreciation for art, a subject which I had never much appreciated before. The understanding of the intent of the artist, which I can achieve when high, sometimes carries over to when I'm down. This is one of many human frontiers which cannabis has helped me traverse. There also have been some art-related insights. I don't know whether they are true or false, but they were fun to formulate. For example, I have spent some time high looking at the work of the Belgian surrealist Yves Tanguay. Some years later, I emerged from a long swim in the Caribbean and sank exhausted onto a beach formed from the erosion of a nearby coral reef. 
in idly examining the accurate pastel-colored coral fragments which made up the beach, I saw before me a vast Tangay painting. Perhaps Tangay visited such a beach in his childhood. A very similar improvement in my appreciation of music has occurred with cannabis. For the first time I have been able to hear the separate parts of a three-part harmony and the richness of the counterpart. I have since discovered that professional musicians can quite easily keep many separate parts going simultaneously in their heads, but this was the first for me. Now, this is a very extensive essay, and I'm going to move from here to the last couple of paragraphs to bring it to conclusion. I have mentioned that in the cannabis experience, there is a part of your mind that remains a dispassionate observer, who is able to take you down in a hurry if need be. I have on a few occasions been forced to drive in heavy traffic when high, I've negotiated it with no difficulty at all, though I did have some thoughts about the marvelous cherry-red color of traffic lights. I find that after the drive I'm not high at all. There are no flashes on the inside of my eyelids. If you're high and your child is calling, you can respond about as capably as you usually do. I don't advocate driving when high on cannabis, but I can tell you from personal experience that it certainly can be done. The high is always reflective, peaceable, intellectually exciting and sociable unlike most alcohol highs, and there's never a hangover. Through the years, I find that slightly smaller amounts of cannabis suffice to produce the same degree of high, and in one movie theater recently, I found I could get high just by inhaling the cannabis smoke which permeated the theater. There is a very nice self-tittering aspect to cannabis. Each puff is a very small dose. The time lag between inhaling a puff and sensing its effect is small, and there is no desire for more after the high is there. I think the ratio, R, of the time to sense the dose taken to the time required to take an excessive dose is an important quantity. R is very large for LSD, which I've never taken, and reasonably short for cannabis. Small values of R should be one measure of the safety of psychedelic drugs. When cannabis is legalized, I hope to see this ratio as one of the parameters printed on the pack. I hope that time isn't too distant. The illegality of cannabis is outrageous an impediment to full utilization of a drug which helps produce the serenity and insight, sensitivity and fellowship so desperately needed in this increasingly mad and dangerous world. This account was written in 1969 for publication in Marijuana Reconsidered. Carl Sagan was in his mid-thirties at that time. He continued to use cannabis for the rest of his life. And that just may be enough for you to wrap your brain around for this episode. If you ever have any ideas of things that I should talk about, people you would like to have interviewed for the show, please let me know. Info at CannabisPodcast.com. Remember as well, you'll always find all of the links to any of the things that I've talked about back at CannabisPodcast.com. That about wraps it up for episode 36 of the Cannabis Podcast. From the cannabis-infused studio, high above the Okanagan Valley, this was the Cannabis Podcast. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humiston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. 
Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.